Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Geek Thyself. <laughs> I'm getting better at not saying the word weak. We're only 10 episodes into our new schedule. I know. It it only, what is that? Since we're doing every other week, 10 episodes is... 20 weeks. 20 weeks. Five months. Yeah. We'll get it eventually, guys. Promise. We will. I mean, you know, it's all good. Uh, We're both here and we Mm -hmm. both aren't sick or or having birthdays. Yes. Because February, that's that's a busy, busy time. More the sick mm-hmm. thing, honestly, for the birthday thing. But yeah, we could have still made it work around our birthday schedules, but the sick thing made it difficult. Yeah, being sick on your birthday is not fun. But Mm-mm. you know, the world is not fun. Yeah, <sighs> not right now, anyway. No, but getting slightly better. True. Slightly, slightly better. True. In the right direction, anyway. Uh, speaking of slightly better, that's an odd tangent, and I think it works, uh, about <laughs> things that came out in March that made things slightly better, uh, or significantly better. <laughs> okay, now I see where you're heading with it. Yes, that is true. Um, one of the things we wanted to talk about, it's not the topic for this episode, but just briefly, was to wish Nerdsmith, which is our network, a happy birthday, because Yee. this is Nerdsmith's third year as a network we launched march 1st of 2018 oh gosh i can't believe it's been that long i know it's crazy uh i know the first thing i officially officially was on was countless heroes Mm -hmm. and that that was was that 2018 as well i think it must have been um you know, I'm trying to remember. I think it started it started like in 2018, 2018, but we went into 2019. Yeah, I know, I know we went into 2019. I just can't believe how long ago that actually was. Mm-hmm. But now we have many awesome shows that have both started, finished, joined and then otherwise left and mm-hmm. still we still like and yeah. we have sponsors and supporters <laughs> well and, and we have some shows that are still around they've just changed their look from what they originally were like geek thyself it's, has changed from just being me talking to myself for half an hour um and now i get to talk to you instead <laughs> for longer than half an hour because yeah. we're really good at times um, yeah uh, we've got Plot Hunters? No, no, we don't have Plot Hunters. Do we? Well, we, Plot Hunters is still a friend of the network. Right, yeah. We, we uh, have some shows that... Since the yeah. Start. yeah, yeah. we have some shows that chose to become friends of the network instead of actual network shows, and we also have some shows that started as friends of the network, and now they're actual network shows like Roleplay Retcon, who are yeah. really funny, and you guys should definitely check them out if you mm-hmm. like the idea of people using a role-playing game to remake a bad movie and to be honest that sounds great yeah why not yeah Yeah. so we have loads of cool people to check out and you should absolutely go and do that definitely Uh, i'm really struggling like to actually because i'm terrible with how many 
shows we have. Like, I'm actually remembering mm-hmm. which ones are current, which ones are on hiatus. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's a couple of shows that are still with the network for sure, but they're just on hiatus due to, you the know, life. chaos of 2020 and the lives of the creators. And for obvious reasons, we're not going to pressure them when everything is going ape crazy. Um, but uh, we, let's see, we have Land Above is on hiatus. They are planning to come back this year, but it's still technically on hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shenanigans is back. We That's had a, season. yes, for our our uh, next, our third season, we had sort of a change up of uh, members. Angela is now. Huh? Yes, Angela is now, now the Dungeon Master. And we have Chris, who joined us, uh, who's fantastic, as Oliette. Um, Ren joined the previous year, I think. Which one? Ren. Yes, Ren Ren was with us for season two of Shenanigans, uh, which was a short season (laughs) due to some of the 2020 chaos. (laughs) Yeah, just 2020. Um, But it's really good. What else? Regardless, we're, we're rambling. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good thing to ramble about. We have a lot of cool shows, and we also have a really fun Discord, which is really fun to be a part of. Loads of fun conversations. Uh, so many different sort of topics to, you know, talk about whatever you need to be talking about. That's true. There's an entire channel that's just cute animal pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> and then, you know, like, you can just... Yeah, it's great. It's a great bunch of people to hang out with. You get some... Mm-hmm. And it includes us. So if, if you feel yeah. like picking our brains and asking us questions about any of the random topics we've covered over the years or, you know, any topic suggestions, you can definitely hit us up there. Yeah. Or, you know, just anything that, you know, you want to be chatting about. We're pretty flexible with our nerd sort of mm-hmm. repertoire. Like our portfolio is kind of, like it doesn't really end. I keep adding to it. You know, <laughs> and Heather reads 17 million books a month, so I'm sure she'd happily talk about books with you. <laughs> I do read Maybe. too quickly. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's too quickly. You just read very quickly. I, I, I don't think you should ever say the word too quickly when it comes to reading. I mean, I guess not. Like, you're still not like you're just reading more in the same amount of time than other people. It's not like all you do is read. No, that's true. And I will say I have found ways to make it less expensive. I have Kindle Unlimited so that I pay $10 a month and can read as many books as I want off of Mm -hmm. the Kindle Unlimited app instead of buying like 20 books a month. Yeah. It it is a cost savings benefit. Mm -hmm. Even my husband agrees that it's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, we've talked about, uh, you've been on that um, a few times, because we've got really fun topics from you just perusing what Mm -hmm. you haven't already read before. Uh, Which also, this one kind of tangentially came from that, with us starting looking at Henry VIII. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. because we're like five minutes in, so we might as well uh, get onto the actual topic. Uh, Is uh, Elizabeth the first? Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe. Uh, yeah, uh, Elizabeth Tudor. Uh, last time we covered Henry VIII, mm-hmm. um, Elizabeth's father, who had a varied um, history of many things, including a lot of wives 
a yeah. lot of annoying people, a lot of beheading, yes, and yes. a lot of financial crises. <laughs> All of those things are accurate. Yeah, his um, his love life was problematic. What's the that. nursery rhyme that you, children in England oh. learn? <laughs> yes, uh, children knew. Uh, divorce beheaded died. Divorce beheaded survived. Uh, it's I don't you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just something we're taught and it sticks pretty well. Yes. Oh, right. Now, now, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to mention about nerves before we get into this topic? No, I think we covered it. Um, And one nice thing about what we're going to talk about today is that, especially in comparison to her father's rule, Elizabeth's was, I mean, it it wasn't without conflict, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but the type of conflict was decidedly more understandable, in my opinion. Yeah, that's, for that's the most part. Fair. So yeah, uh, so uh, Elizabeth Tudor. Uh, I guess we'll start at the beginning. That's exactly the <laughs> place to start. Uh, we covered uh, obviously their birth last time with, which mm-hmm. was fifteen thirty three, and they she lived until sixteen oh three, and I think we remarked on it being like seventy years was ridiculous for the. For yeah, for the time period, age. that was a ridiculously long time to be alive, even for a king or queen, because the medicine just wasn't that good. I mean, this was the time when they would still put leeches on people for everything. Yeah. And, 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 you know, cut, cut things off just because it was, you know, bleeding quite a bit. Yeah. And or didn't they didn't know what cauterization was. Oh, they did. Yeah. But they did it in a way that it really was not good. And you, you, yeah, many, many, many people just died because of operations. Yeah. Uh, lots of lots of craziness. So it's amazing that she lived to be 70 years old, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, she was not Henry's oldest surviving child. No. Uh, the... There was Mary the First, which is mm-hmm. Mary Queen of Scots. Uh, it was served for I think uh, I want to say five years, uh, which is significantly less than Elizabeth's reign, uh, whose reign was you know do, 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 yeah fifty eight to sixteen oh three, so forty five years yeah forty five years, so significantly longer again uh, a very long reign for that time period. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and she was also known as the Virgin Queen, uh, Gloriana, or Good Queen Bess, and she was the last of the five monarchs in the House of Tudor, which started with Henry the Seventh, then it was Henry the Eighth, and then Mary the First, and Philip, and then Elizabeth. Yes, and she was Henry's daughter with Anne Boleyn. Uh, Boleyn, yeah, Boleyn. I'm not very sure how to say uh, that. I was I was I was always taught Boleyn, but I have no idea. Uh, yeah, that was his second wife, who was yes. uh, executed uh, two and a half years after Elizabeth was born. Uh, and, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, his uh, marriage to her was annulled, and Elizabeth was declared illegitimate at the time, which you know caused a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, some people, including like you mentioned last time, the the Catholic Church did not recognize uh, anyone past Mary as being a rule, like a legal heir, because right. 
Um, they never annulled that uh, Henry VIII's first marriage to, oh, oh Catherine of Catherine yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For anyone who didn't listen to our last episode, some of the stuff we're going to talk about today is going to make more sense if you go back and listen to it. Yeah. But uh, if you don't. We can't tread over it too much. Just because yeah. it does the episode twice. But the short version is that King Henry VIII, who was Elizabeth I's father, had six mm-hmm. wives. He yes. divorced his first wife, who was not Elizabeth's mother. Um, but because the Catholic church didn't acknowledge it. Um, He created the church of England and uh, then divorced her. Yeah. And put himself in charge and then divorced her using that. Then he married Anne Boleyn, Elizabeth, the first mother. Yes. And and ended up beheading her. (laughs) Because of accusations of infidelity, which weren't ever proven. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And then third wife, Jane Seymour, who died during childbirth, and yes. many other after that. But the 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 long and short of it is that the the Pope at the time didn't agree to annul the first marriage because there wasn't any uh, reason in like regards to religious reasons. He just was bored with her, and mm-hmm. back then that wasn't that wasn't good enough. I mean, now divorce rules are you know, or oh, divorce rules are much more lenient. On that kind of thing, but back then it was uh, okay. Did they cheat? No. Uh, is there any reason that you can't be married? No. Ah, uh, well, then you're kind of stuck. And Henry was like, "Nope, I'll do it myself." <laughs> so, but yeah, pretty the much. Guys of of like who was actually in the line of succession. Uh, Elizabeth wasn't uh, eligible. In regards, to, uh, in some people, according to some people, basically what yeah. happened also is this formed two religious camps in the world. Mm. At the time, there were the Catholics who didn't agree with what the king had done by creating his own religion, and therefore, when he passed away, they supported any of the Catholic-born children to be the king and or queen, as opposed to Mar- um, to Elizabeth. And then you have all of the Protestants who supported the Church of England that King Henry had created, and they were in favor of Queen Elizabeth I because she wasn't Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. It's actually a little bit dicey about the whole start of it because Edward VI, who was um, Henry's first son, reigned until he died in 1553 and tried to actually give the the crown to Lady Jane Grey, ignore, ignoring the claims of his two uh, half sisters, uh, but that will was set aside, and Mary became queen at that point. Again, being technically the only uh, legitimate child, bef- uh, yeah. uh, and then she ruled for five years, and then Elizabeth became queen after that. But Elizabeth was also in prison for nearly a year during that time on suspicion of support of supporting Protestant Protestant Protestant. Thank you. Rebels. <laughs> I hate that word. I hate it so much. It's not the easiest word to say. No, I just really struggle with it. I don't even know why. But... Uh, so, yeah, and then in 1558, after the death of Mary, she did take the throne and set out to rule by good counsel. Yes, and from there begins the reign of Queen Elizabeth I, who 
I think it'd be hard to find someone in the world who hasn't heard of her. Like, if you're talking um, about British monarchs, there's a couple where they, like, stand out. One of them is yeah. Queen Elizabeth I, one is Victoria, one's the current Queen Elizabeth, because she's, the, you know, the current one, so everyone oh, knows right. who she is. Uh, and then there's Henry VIII, which, again, we talked about, and mm-hmm. Richard III, which uh, has all kinds of fun about him. But that's how your country came about, so, you know. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> True. And you know, so like, but a lot of the other ones kind of just get kind of lost in the mix, mm-hmm. especially when you go like that far. Uh, I've, I've got to be honest; I don't know much about the the lines. Like, there are bits that I know, like the Tudors and stuff, but most mm-hmm. of it I don't because there's just way too much to know. <laughs> okay, um, we're coming back in because pets. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. we had to pause because my cat decided to knock the trash over. Very nice. Which is always fun. Oh, yeah. Very nice. So, uh, uh, we had we were just basically getting started on her main rule. Uh, she had mm-hmm. a group of trusted advisors, uh, which was led by William Cecil, the first Baron of Burley. Uh, and one of, one of her first actions as Queen was to establish the English Protestant Church, of which she became the supreme governor. So again, uh, like we've already said, father s- started that, and it was kept going on with Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this Elizabethan religious uh, settlement uh, was to evolve into the Church of England, which is what we know it as today. Uh, and it was expected that Elizabeth would marry to produce an heir. Uh, however, despite a lot of attempts at that, uh, she actually never... Uh, had any kind of suitors as far as people are aware of and never had any children uh, another reason she was called the virgin queen is she yeah, she you mm-hmm. know she wasn't a fan of you know getting with anyone and she never did so yeah, well at least not officially. not officially there's definitely you know old rumors of her yeah. possibly being involved with one of her uh, court members and it's definitely true that she wasn't betrothed to anyone or married off to anyone. And by the time she took over, there really wasn't anyone in her household that could tell her she had to. Yeah, no, by that so point she So she just was, didn't. Yeah, like pretty much everybody of her family and all that kind of line, they were already gone because that's how succession works. So she just kind of did her own thing. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what? Good for her. You don't need a king. Or prince, I guess. I don't know how that works. Uh, so, but she was also more moderate and less head choppy than her father was. Uh, which, you know, Definitely. Uh, and so, yeah, but, uh, she was relatively uh, tolerant and avoided systemic pers- uh, persecution. Uh, and after the Pope had uh, declared her Ill- illegitimate in 1570, which again we've talked about. Uh, and release her subjects from obedience to her. Uh, several conspiracies threatened uh, her life, all of which would were defeated uh, with the help of her minister's secret service. So, yeah. Uh. Yeah, she was also cautious in a lot of foreign affairs, as opposed to her father, who'd been sort of hot-headed and also focused definitely more internally. Um, she did try to avoid war. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, at a certain point, she couldn't avoid war with Spain, in the mid 1580s, and uh, was actually the victory of the English against the Spanish Armada in 1588 
which became one of the greatest military victories in English history. And though she would not have necessarily chosen to do it, the fact that she was in charge when it happened definitely created an association with her and this great military victory. She also definitely left behind a much more stable situation than any of her predecessors because as opposed to the really, really short reigns of her older half-siblings, Mary and Philip, who both only reigned for a few years, she was on the throne for 44 years, which was a huge time span to have one ruler, and it made a big difference in terms of the stability of the kingdom and also helped everyone to form sort of a, a more solid idea of their national identity as people from Great Britain, as Brits, as the English, whatever word you want to use. <laughs> I think this is probably a good spot for us to put in the break and then we could come back and talk about some of the lasting effects, like the cultural improvements and everything that her reign led to. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Okay, so we will take a break now. We've covered like the introduction, I guess, to her going onto the throne and like small details. We can go into a little bit more detail, like uh, more in depth, I guess. Uh, after after we've done a, a little break so we will see you all in just a moment all right everyone welcome to this week's mid-roll uh, you've been here before <laughs> i mean if you've listened to any of our episodes then you probably have i mean True. i don't think you could actually miss one because they're never at the same point like never so <laughs> this is true i mean there's the intro music to the mid-roll so i guess if you really wanted to you could skip them i mean i guess but you'd have to jump around a bit and i don't think you don't like get it perfect anytime anyway we're rambling again because we're really good at that so <laughs> uh we have people who support us and we really enjoy those people so now we're going to talk about those people um Exactly. So first off, I want to start talking about World Anvil. World Anvil is an amazing website where you can build your world or flesh out your campaign and really just create a much more immersive and uh, experience with a lot of information, especially for your players. Or if you're an author, there's also a version of it that's set up specifically for authors to expand on their stories. It's almost like creating a wiki of your story that you're writing or a wiki of the game world you've created it's a very robust campaign management tool and we definitely recommend it it's worldanvil.com everyone there is amazing they're constantly coming out with new things that you can do they've got map features there's features that'll link characters and places and all sorts of things like that and you can sign up for free at worldanvil.com and then if you want to get any of the paid features or if you decide you want to support them you can get a paid membership later but i definitely recommend you check them out it's worldanvil.com they are absolutely wonderful Uh, other people we really like to talk about is die hard dice Uh, they create and continue to create amazing dice and um, like dice accessories and all that good stuff for tabletop role-playing games uh, they released a whole bunch of new things over the sort of end of last year going into this year like with their multi-class uh, metal dice which are sort of magnetic ones that click together and have like two different sort of styles and colors on them which are really cool 
They have their mm -hmm. Mythica now. Uh, I think it's like Mythic sets, which uh, copy the, the moulds for their uh, metal dice onto their resin dice, uh, which is a new thing that they've been doing, which they look amazing. Uh, they have their scroll of rolling, which we talked about before. They also now have little meeples, like little uh, meeple tokens for the like, games made out of metal. If you happen mm -hmm. to what, lose your like uh, the ones that come with your games, or you just want some really nice ones, uh, they have plenty of things. Uh, if in all sort of uh, realms of uh, tabletop games like Vampire Masquerade or Dungeons and Dragons or whatever you're playing, and you can find anything that you'd like on there, like that color or like design or, or material and if you do find anything you like you can use the code um oh oh no i forgot the code <laughs> um it's nerdsmith. the one for march should be nerdsmith hyphen m-a-r okay so nerdsmith hyphen m-a-r okay i just thought that the last time we did this we had like a a code that was non-specific that's all uh but I will trust Heather because Heather knows more than I do. So, if you use uh, Smith at MAR at checkout, you can get 10% off your order. They also offer free shipping in the US and discounted shipping internationally. And uh, yes, yeah, so if you want to roll with the best, you can go to dieharddice.com. Alright, so now that we've done all that, we can get back into talking about Elizabeth. Alright, so hi guys, welcome back to, you know, uh, the episode on. Elizabeth's. I know you didn't go anywhere, but we did. Uh, I guess we could go into her marriage and like, uh, like the potential people that she did have interest in, but uh, obviously we know she didn't actually pick any of them. Um, uh, she had mm -hmm. uh, many uh, suitors until she was about 50, and her last one was Francis, Duke of uh, Anjou, uh, and he was 22 years her junior. Uh, while risking possible loss of power, like her sister, who played into the hands of King Philip uh, the Second of Spain, and the marriage offered her a chance at an heir, but again, she didn't take it. Uh, in fifteen fifty nine, though, there was uh, a lot of evidence to suggest that she was in love with her child friend uh, Robert Dudley, which, uh, uh, but mm -hmm. she had already, but he had already been married to um, a woman named Amy Rosbart. No, Rob's art. Rob's art. I got the S and yeah. the wrong way around. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, there was definitely she, a lot of scandal surrounding the idea. Yeah, and she was uh, also quite worried about the fact that if the Queen did want to marry uh, her husband, that she would die because, you know, Henry VIII had a potency to be choppy. So people were still worried about that. Uh, um, but, well, no, the... Uh, we're, sorry, guys, we're using the same informational page. Oh, okay. Sorry. It says um, that people said that the queen would like to marry Dudley if his wife oh, should die. I missed that. I missed that. Not that, that she'd actually kill her. No one said she would kill her. That's my <laughs> At least bad. not that I'm we know so of. I'm sorry. I misread <laughs> that information. Thank you, Heather. Mm -hmm. That's appreciated. Okay. So um, one, one interesting thing to throw out there, too, for anyone who's wondering some of the reasons why she may not have wanted to marry one we touched on already which is power she would have per the rule of the time if she had married someone it's likely that unless she married a noble from england and was able to set things up correctly 
that she was going to end up losing power. And she didn't really want that. There's also the fact that it is known that during her younger years, not when she was super young, but sort of uh, like uh, teenage-ish, she was living with Catherine Parr, Henry's last wife, which makes sense. She, um, Catherine Parr took her in along with her new husband, Thomas Seymour, who was um, Jane Seymour's brother. And that in and of itself, no big deal, except that Thomas Seymour proceeded to have a very inappropriate relationship with Elizabeth. Mm. They know from um, various sources that it was said that he would go into her room uh, like in his nightgown and he would tickle her and slap her on the bottom and that she used to surround herself with maids to try to avoid him coming and um, just all sorts of things like that that would definitely have been inappropriate, especially considering he was married to her stepmother. Something like that. Uh, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of speculation that uh, he put her off of relationships, like the, the trauma of going through all of that made her yeah. not want one. Mm-hmm. That, Which would that also, was... again, make sense why if she did decide to have one, the person that she was childhood friends with might have been most appealing because she knew he was safe. Yeah, she uh, she could trust that person. Yeah. Um... Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, several suitors uh, were off, are often vying for a hand, and their impatient envoys engaged in ever more scandalous talk and reported that a marriage with her favorite uh, was not welcome in England. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, and yeah. Amy Dudley died a year later uh, from a fall from a flight of stairs. And despite the coroner's inquest of uh, finding an accident, many people suspected they had been arranged to have been killed because uh, this was only a year or so later. Uh, so that he could marry the Queen. Uh, Elizabeth seriously did consider marrying Dudley for a time. However, uh, uh, some people who uh, were in a sort of um, political group, which again was uh, William Cecil, we mentioned earlier, uh, and made their dispersal unmistakably clear. There were even rumors that the nobility would rise if the marriage took place. Yeah. So basically there were a lot of people who, and probably most of them because they were hoping that they could somehow get power from her marriage instead. So there were a lot of people who did not want her to marry him. Because he had no power in that kind of regard. He would just, like, they, they, because, yeah. Yeah, he didn't really have much of a title. He he was a statesman, and he was friends with her, but he, other than that, wasn't someone they necessarily wanted in charge. And he actually ended up marrying a different woman eventually, named uh, Lettuce Nolis. That's an awful name. That is a and um, that's a terrible she, name. Yeah. Wow. And um, the queen definitely reacted visibly with dislike Mm. and displeasure towards her. Um, 
for the rest of their time together. So it was very obvious that she didn't like this. She wanted to marry Dudley, but felt pressure not to. That's fair. And uh, he died very shortly after Elizabeth's own death, uh, just after the defeat of the Spanish Armada. Mm -hmm. A note was found uh, uh, from him, was found among her most personal belongings, marked his letter in her handwriting. So they were still friends uh, all through her life, and probably Mm -hmm. might have gotten married if there wasn't so much pressure from elsewhere. Which... I'm sure, being a, a monarch, it has enough pressure anyway. Definitely. And then, of course, there were some foreign candidates for her hand as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about the fact that she didn't really want to give up power. There were a couple she considered. Um, one of them that she actually entertained the idea of marrying was King Eric the 14th, 14th of Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also she uh, seriously negotiated to marry Philip's cousin, Archduke Charles of Austria, uh, because she'd already turned down Philip, uh, which we said a little bit ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And But by uh, 1569, the relationships with the Had, uh, Hadsburgs had deteriorated, and Elizabeth considered marrying uh, two uh, French valious uh, princes in turn, first Henry the Duke of Anjou, and, uh, and his brother Francis. Uh, the Duke of Andrew again. <clears throat> uh, the last mm-hmm. proposal was tied uh, to a planned alliance against the Spanish, against Spanish control of the the Southern Netherlands, and Elizabeth seems to have taken the courtship seriously for a time, and wore a frog uh, shaped earring that Andrew had sent her. That's awkward when you just say Andrew because which one was it? But yeah. Uh, yeah, basically there were a lot of people she could have married, but she continued to choose not to for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And over the years, one of the things that happened is that a sort of a cult was inspired by the Queen's virginity. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it, it started to become associated with the Virgin Mary. Mm. You know, the whole idea of our, our Queen is so pure and so virginal and so amazing. Um, and so she was often starting to be depicted in poetry and pictures as a virgin or a goddess or sometimes both, but more than just a normal woman because of her virtue. Mm-hmm. First, only Elizabeth made a virtue of her abstentionable, abstentionable, oh, abstentionable, maybe, whatever, uh, <laughs> virginity in 1599. She told the comments, and in the end, uh, this shall be for be sufficient that a marble stone shall uh, declare that a-, a queen having been such a time lived and died a virgin. Uh, and then later on, uh, poets and writers took up the theme and developed an iconography that exalted Elizabeth in more ways. Uh, public tributes mm-hmm. uh, to the virgin uh, by 1578 acted as a coded assertion of oppression, uh, opposition to the queen's marriage negotiations uh, with um, the two French um um, um, uh, dukes, which we talked about. Yes, it's also um around. Let's see. Oh, after that, after people started starting to associate her with, you know, the Virgin Mary and everything, she ultimately started talking about 
the fact that she considered herself married to her kingdom and her subjects Mm -hmm. and under divine protection because of it. And in 1959, she's said to have, or excuse me, in 1599, (laughs) Um, um, she spoke of all my husbands, my good people, meaning she was referring to everyone in the country as though they were her spouse, like basically implying like it's kind of like nowadays when people will say, oh, he's married to the job. Yeah. Except it was she's married to the job. She's married to the country. Which was a very new way of looking at things at that point, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, this the claim of her virginity was not universally accepted, because why would it be? And Catholics accused her of engaging in filthy, <laughs> filthy lust. Oh, I don't know why that made me laugh so much. I just wasn't expecting <laughs> to read it. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, and that's Bill Hader defiled the nation along with her body and Henry the Sixth of France said that one of the greatest questions of Europe was whether Queen Elizabeth was married or no but she, she never was uh, was a maid oh a maid sorry oh. Uh, yeah whether Queen Elizabeth was a maid or no being, basically I'm there were reading things terribly today aren't I? <laughs> oh, wow. there were a lot of rumors that she actually may have consummated her love with Robert Dudley. Uh, um, there was never proof, never serious proof. However, in 1559, Elizabeth had Dudley's bedchambers moved right next to her own, which is mm. a big deal and sort of strange. And then in 1561, she was mysteriously bedridden with an illness that caused her body to swell. Which some people, I assume, thought that maybe was pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are some people who say that she had an illegitimate pregnancy. However, there's never been any actual solid proof that such a thing occurred. There was, in 1587, a man claiming to be named Arthur Dudley. Um, He was arrested in Spain. And he claimed that he was the illegitimate son of Elizabeth and Robert. And his age did kind of line up with the illness. Mm. But, I mean, there was nothing, there was nothing to assert that he definitely was. He, it was just him claiming to be. Right. This vowed to commit to the Spanish. And yeah, the claims amounted to nothing, so there was no... And yeah, there was just no evidence for it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, and um, so modern scholars, uh, scholarships uh, dismiss the story. Uh, the story's basic premise is impossible and asserts that Elizabeth's life, with, uh, Elizabeth's life was far too closely observed by contemporary, contemporaries uh, so that if, they, if she did get pregnant and had a child, that they wouldn't have been able to avoid that like for nine months which to be fair right. when you're the monarch of the country you probably watched fairly fairly hard yeah there really wasn't a way for her to have hidden it is what modern historians have decided mm-hmm. just looking at all the documentation of her life and all of the things that were written about her day-to-day details the chances that she could have hidden a pregnancy an entire pregnancy not to mention the birth are just it's it's astronomically high how improbable that is 
Yeah. So yeah, and then there was um, <clears throat> a lot of the issues with Mary, Queen of Scots, who uh, um, Elizabeth I's policy towards the Scot- uh, Scotland was to oppose the French presence there, and she feared that the French planned to invade England and put her Catholic cousin Mary on the throne because Mer- uh, Mary was considered by many to be the actual heir of the English crown, being the granddaughter of Henry I's eldest sister. Uh, and Mary mm-hmm. boasted being the nearest king, uh, king's woman she hath. Uh, and Elizabeth was pressured to send a force into Scotland to aid the prote- protest- Protestant rebels. I got it that way. I got it that time. <laughs> <laughs> and though the, the campaign was inept, uh, the resulting Treaty of Ed- uh, Edinburgh of July 1560 removed that the French uh, removed the French threat from the north. Um, uh, when Mary returned to Scotland in 1561 to take up the reins of power, the country had ed- established a Protestant church uh, and was run by a council, uh, supported by Elizabeth, and uh, Mary refused to uh, ratify the treaty. Yeah, so um, oh. anyone who's ever heard the nursery rhyme, Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? Um, If you look up the history of that particular nursery rhyme, it actually has to do with Mary, Queen of Scots. Yeah. This um, cousin of Queen Elizabeth. Mary, Mary, quite contrary, because she was at least a thought to be a very contrary woman. How does your garden grow? Uh, She was trapped somewhere. So kind of how are you living there? Um, With silver bells and cockle shells. Those could easily have been food and or decorations on her dresses. Mm -hmm. And pretty maids all in a row. Her maids in waiting. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a whole lot of back and forth um, of what happened. She's not who we're talking about today, so I don't feel like we need to get into all the details. But the short version is that she was eventually imprisoned in Loch Levin Castle. Mm-hmm. And um, though she didn't initially start out planning to be, she was the focus point of a rebellion from the Catholics against the Protestant rule. Yeah, because, well, the Catholic and Protestant shift had only happened very, still very recently in, in regards to mm-hmm. the country. See? Uh, yes, and I eventually... Go ahead. No, uh, so you cut out, so I didn't quite hear what you said. Oh, I was going to say, I, I was just going to say that eventually she um, escaped Loch Levin Castle, but then she was eventually detained in England and imprisoned for the next 19 years. Yep, which is wonderful. <laughs> Not really. Um, I, I guess that the, the next sort of major bit to to very briefly cover was like the wars and uh, overseas trade, I guess. Um, Elizabeth's foreign policy was largely defensive, with the exception uh, the exception was that the English occupation of Leharve, uh, uh, which ended in failure when Elizabeth uh, when Elizabeth's allies uh, joined uh, with the Catholics to retake the port. 
Elizabeth's intention was to, uh, was had been to exchange uh, it for Callias, uh, lost to France in January 1558, uh, and only through activities of her fleets did Elizabeth pursue an aggressive policy. This paid off uh, against the war in Spain, 80% of, uh, of which was fought at sea, and she knighted Sir Francis Drake for, uh, for his uh, second navigation of the globe from 1577 to 80, and he won fame uh, for his raid in the Spanish ports and fleets. Uh, an element mm-hmm. of piracy and self-enrichment drove Eliz- Elizabethan seafarers over uh, over whom the Queen had little control. So yet, so there isn't. Yeah, there was a, a lot of wars and overseas trade throughout the years. I mean, she was in charge for 44 years, so it was bound to happen. There was the Spanish Armada that we talked about earlier. Yeah. There were issues with France and Ireland. Um and Russia and the Muslim states and the Americas and colonization. Uh, Virginia is named after her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a reference to the fact that she was the Virgin Queen. Yep. And there was the East India Company. And then this episode is starting to get long, so I feel like we probably need to skip ahead to her yes. legacy and death. <laughs> yes, I, you know, that's probably fair, because we're really good at, you know, keeping this short. Mm-hmm. Right? We've always been really good at that. Okay, so, um, <laughs> her death. Uh, Elizabeth senior, senior advisor, William Cecil, again, we've talked about, uh, died in 1598, and his political mantle passed on to his son, Robert Cecil, who soon became the leader of the government. Uh, one task mm-hmm. he addressed uh, was to prepare her way for a smooth succession. Since Lewis would never name her successor, Cecil was obliged uh, to proceed in secret. He therefore entered into a coded uh, negotiation with James VI of Scotland, who had a strong but unrecognised claim. And Cecil coached uh, the impatient James to humour Elizabeth and secure her heart uh, to the highest and uh, whose sex and quality nothing is so improper as either needless expostulations or over uh, much security in her own actions. And the advice worked. Uh, James's tone delighted Elizabeth, who responded, so, uh, so trust I that you will, no doubt, but that your last letters are uh, so accurate acceptably taken as my thanks cannot be lacking for the same but I yield uh, them to you uh, in grateful sort Elizabeth may not have declared her wishes openly to James but she had made them known with unmistakable if failed phrases right so basically James um, James the sixth of Scotland was um, Related to her, he wasn't necessarily first in line to be king, but he was a good option. And so Cecil was able to help him get favor with Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. All right. And uh, her health remained pretty decent uh, up until um, the autumn of 1602, when a series of death among her friends plunged her into a severe depression. And in February 1603, the death of Catherine uh, Carey, uh, the Countess uh, of Nottingham, and uh, the niece of her cousin and close friend of uh, Lady Knollys, uh, came as a particular blow. And in March, Elizabeth fell sick and remained in a settled but unremovable uh, melancholy and sat motionlessly on a cushion for hours on end. When Robert Cecil mm-hmm. uh, told her that she must go to bed, she snapped, uh, must is not a word to use... Uh, 
til princess, uh, til princess little man. <laughs> <laughs> She died on the 24th of March 1603 at Richmond Palace between 2 and 3 in the morning. A few hours later, Cecil and uh, the council set uh, their plans to motion and proclaimed, uh, proclaimed James King, uh, uh, King of England and James I of England specifically. Which is also yes. where the King James Bible comes from, which, you know, mm-hmm. as, a, as a small aside. <clears throat> yeah, after her death, her coffin was carried downriver um, at night to Whitehall, mm-hmm. uh, the Palace of Whitehall, um, yes. on a barge lit with torches. And her funeral on the 28th of April, the coffin was taken to Westminster Abbey, which was is, was where they were all buried at that point. Mm-hmm. Um. And in the words of chronicler John Stowe, Westminster was surcharged with multitudes of all sorts of people in their streets, houses, windows, leads, and gutters that came out to see the obsequy. And when they beheld her statue lying upon the coffin, there was such a general sighing, groaning, and weeping as the like hath not been seen or known in the memory of man. Um she'd been the queen for so long which was something no one was used to before her um and people didn't live that long during this time period so there were most likely commoners who had literally lived their entire lives or at least everything they could remember with elizabeth as the queen yeah um some and in some cases maybe even multiple generations of like families so mm-hmm. yeah, like uh, like we said earlier, it did really give credence to the idea of you know setting up plans which had been executed later, and so, yeah. And then Lady says, yes. Elizabeth was lamented, uh, l- lamented by many of her subjects, but others were relieved at, relieved at her death. Expectations of King James started high, but then declined. <laughs> uh, by the mm-hmm. 1620s, there was a nostalgic revival. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, for the cult of Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was praised as a heroine of the Protestant uh, cause and a ruler of a golden age. And James was uh, was uh, de- uh, depicted as a Catholic sympathizer and presiding over a corrupt court. So there's definitely mm-hmm. some nostalgia uh, nostalgia uh, about over Elizabeth's rule. Yeah, it's not the topic of our episode today, but things definitely didn't go as smoothly for James as they did for. Elizabeth in the beginning and so not surprisingly there were a lot of people that wished she had not passed away and that she was still there because they missed her rule when things were sort of a golden age um it's also important to note her legacy of the arts there's so many famous uh well the two biggest ones I mean William Shakespeare and Christopher Marlowe the only reason that they were able to flourish and that playwrights and poets and that sort of culture and the arts was able to flourish so much in England at the time is because Elizabeth supported it. Yeah. Which, yeah. And gave us some of the best works that the, that the English have ever, you know, actually created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think... That's a decent point to, to wrap up on. Um, I don't think there's much else to, that we can cover in this episode without it going even longer than it already That's has. That's true. So. Um, there is in here, um, a, one thing was that she also, you know, you mentioned it earlier, she was much more tolerant than a lot of rulers. Yeah. 
Um, Though she herself was very religious, she believed that faith was personal and didn't want to force her faith on anyone else. Which was not something that many uh, rulers did at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one quote from her um, in a prayer where she offered thanks to God, she said she was thanking God that at a time when wars and seditions with grievous persecutions have vexed almost all kings and countries round about me, my reign hath been peaceable and my realm a receptacle to thy afflicted church. The love of my people hath appeared firm and the devices of my enemies frustrate. Okay, Um, and I think that's probably a good spot to stop this episode before we get even later. (laughs) Before we get later and tireder and, you know, everything else. But uh, it was really good to to cover. We've covered pretty much all of the Tudor reign, apart from Henry VII, I guess, uh, just because most of it was covered by Henry VIII and Elizabeth. Uh, Mm -hmm. The other two being kind of, like, just in the middle there. But, yeah. They were barely in charge. Uh, right, but we will wrap up this episode now. Hopefully, you enjoyed our rambling. Uh, <laughs> next episode, we're going to be covering a topic for St. Patrick's Day. We've already done the history of it uh, last year, so we won't be doing that. We're going to be doing something a little different, mm-hmm. but we'll get into that next week. No, um, definitely. Dang it! I got so close. <laughs> I got so close. Uh, next episode. Next episode. Dang it. I got the chocolates. All right. <laughs> we will see you soon, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. And please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself. Bye.